Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 99, with Grant Schroll, co-founder and CEO of Mission Collaborative, where uh, he and his team help uh, folks find uh, fulfilling careers. Uh, so just really appreciated this conversation with Grant to uh, just learn more about his story and kind of what inspired him to start Mission Collaborative and uh, the unique approach that they uh, take with their work. Um, and just really, uh, really enjoyed hearing just how thoughtful and intentional he is about all aspects of the work that he does. And also, you know, even just the recruitment of new staff uh, and team members. So um, just some really great uh, morsels in here that I hope inspire uh, all of you listening to kind of uh, adapt and improve and uh, make sure that you know everything that you do uh, for your team uh, in terms of recruitment and also just for your own professional development, you know, uh, you go about it in a thoughtful uh, way to figure out what is going to be most fulfilling for you and make sure that both you as potentially the employing uh, organization and any candidates coming your way are having a great experience. So chock full of great stuff in this episode. Uh, so uh, grateful for you for listening and Excited for y'all to get into the episode. So after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 99 with Grant Schroll. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit Degree.me slash H-E-G. Yeah, I appreciate you so much, Grant, for jumping on for the podcast here. I feel like it's uh, kind of long overdue. There's a lot of other folks, uh, I know when I was closer to DC, that I was kind of building my network with that I've had on uh, this podcast. I think we recorded uh, for the Student Affairs Collective's podcast uh, uh, quite a bit of time ago. feels yeah. like a lifetime ago, but I'm really excited to, to catch up with you and hear about all the great work that uh, you're doing now. So yeah, we'll start, you know, we'll start there as we always do. If you just want to introduce yourself to everybody and uh, kind of give that brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Thanks very much. So my name is Grant Schroll and I, big picture, am really passionate about how folks figure out what it is they even want to do with their work and career. And my story really begins back when I was a college student. Um, studying engineering, thinking that maybe I'd go work in the auto industry, which in hindsight was rather ironic because I knew nobody who was an engineer nor anyone who worked in the auto industry. So it was a very mm. haphazard path. And about halfway through my education, it dawned on me that this isn't what I want to do with my life. I don't enjoy this at all. And I was fortunate enough to have an internship that really drove that point home. And so from that moment forward, I became really obsessed with this question of how is it that people figure out what they really authentically want to do with their career and life more broadly, because it seems like such a waste that many of us kind of just go on autopilot and end up pursuing things that maybe are convenient or are uh, encouraged by others, but don't necessarily align with who we really are, what we really want to contribute. And so a lot of my career has been focused on that problem. And I initially was focused on the higher ed audience. So I was working with traditional age undergrad students, trying to help them be more intentional and thoughtful about their studies and exploring career paths. Um, but then I shifted from focusing on college age students to actually focusing on uh, adults, working with uh, professionals who were kind of reaching points in their career where they were feeling stuck or unfulfilled wondering what else is out there, what comes next for my career, how do I 
find more fulfillment from my work. And about three years ago, it dawned on me that people kind of in that situation were really at a loss for resources. Um, Sure, you can work with a one-on-one career coach, but they tend to be really expensive and most folks wouldn't even consider that route. And so there wasn't really anything else. And that's where we, Mission Collaborative, kind of stepped in. Um, Kind of the goal being, let's build a sort of resource for working adults who want to figure out what comes next. And so we now run these online career design programs that are geared at helping folks figure out exactly what they want from their career, what the options are, and then actually making a plan for their next move, whatever that may be. And uh, I'm sure we can get into the details of how that all works and whatnot, but that's that's what I do now. I help folks build careers that they actually love and find fulfillment from, and it's been a super rewarding journey thus far. Well, I guess I'm curious because we always kind of talk with folks about, you know, their college experience. And, you know, you noted that as sort of a uh, kind of a signature part of your uh, story. So, you know, just sort of focusing there for a moment, like, I don't know if it was sort of like this, I don't know, existential moment or like a mentor or like, I don't know what sort of uh, how it took shape, but like just talking a bit about that of like how that college experience that you had helped shape, you know, your future career and just being able to, I guess, reflect on it in hindsight you know, um, and those sort of things. So yeah, just speaking a bit more about your college experience and how it impacted you personally and or professionally. Yeah, sure. So when I was probably 17 or 18 years old, getting prepared to even go to college, uh, a lot of the adults in my life, you know, per usual were saying, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to study? What do you think you care about? And uh, I was pretty much only able to answer, well, I enjoy science. I'm decent at math. And I think cars are cool as a 17 year old. And so uh, a lot of folks suggested engineering, go study engineering. That's a, that's a respectable profession. And so that's what I ultimately did uh, without a whole lot of thought. And two years into my degree, uh, I was feeling kind of frustrated because I was taking all of these sort of entry-level weeder classes that were designed to be difficult, but didn't really have a whole lot to do with interesting engineering problem solving or real-world application. And so I was like, you know, what is the point of all this math and theory and challenge for the sake of challenge? I want to actually build cool stuff. And so I ended up landing an internship summer after my sophomore year at a car company, um, a company that at the time was positioned to be a Tesla competitor. So it was actually a very exciting environment to be a part of. And so I made my way out to California to work at this really cool car startup, thinking that finally this would make it all worthwhile. This would help show me the show me the objective that I was working towards. And it was the opposite. <laughs> I realized pretty quickly that, no, this is not an industry that I want anything to do with. This is not a work environment that aligns with my values or my strengths. And I was one of the lucky ones. A lot of folks didn't have that sort of uh, real world experience to help them recalibrate their studies. Um, And I was fortunate that I did. So it was really that moment that led me to become much more intentional about how I wanted to spend the rest of my undergrad years. Um, And so I remember getting back to campus. I immediately changed my major. I became much more driven to focus on extracurriculars, things that I could be more in control of. Um, and that's that's really where my now lifelong obsession with helping others figure out what they want to do with their lives um, came from, that personal realization. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, and like you said, just kind of helping, um, I'm sure, 
folks from all walks of life kind of thing, you know, at different times in their professional journeys. Like it's one of those things that, uh, I don't know, it's a very interesting topic. So maybe this gets into kind of my next question, but just sort of like, it could happen for people if you're early on and you're wanting to make kind of a change or a pivot or even later on, we're like, well, you know, I've been working in this industry for like 30 years. I'm curious about maybe learning some new skills and, oh yeah, you know, just like, because I think it's generally too, like talking with a lot of people about this, it's kind of like building resiliency in your professional life, you know, because mm-hmm. like things change so much and, you know, or just if you're looking for something different. So, you know, obviously, yeah, that's, that's the work that you're doing now. Um, and, you know, you've spoken about it being really rewarding. So if you want to just dig into that, or like what you really enjoy about this work and um, any anecdotes, I guess, of like, you know, being able to see the impact and the outcomes of what you've been able to do. But um, yeah, just exploring the work that you're doing. If you want to just explain a little bit more about any of the uh, the workshops or yeah, kind of the, yeah. the perspective or style that you take. Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, we're really focused on serving working adults. So these are generally folks from early 20s all the way through early 60s um, who have a day job, but perhaps they're feeling kind of burned out or unfulfilled or even just they're hungry for something more, wondering what else is out there that could be even better for me. And part of what's so cool about this area, this topic, is that we serve an incredibly diverse body of people. Um, not only is there a huge age range, but we also see folks from pretty much any industry you can imagine, uh, and some more so than others. Um, and so it is always a challenge to figure out how do you build something that is broadly applicable enough to deliver results and value for such a diverse group of people. Uh, But on the other hand, what we've learned time and time again is that the key things that are missing for most folks when it comes to navigating their own careers are, number one, a structured process. So how do I actually figure out what I want and understand the options and test them and actually make it happen? What's the process Mm -hmm. for doing all of that? And then number two, the accountability who's going to force me to do this because it's really hard to hold yourself accountable for something so big and ambiguous as a career shift, a career move. And so our programs are designed to really do those two things extremely well. So we use something that we call the career design process, which is sort of our philosophy for how you go about figuring out what you'd like to do next and then actually making it happen. And we've built a really effective peer to peer learning model where we have our career designers actually support one another as they go through our online program experience. And it ends up being a really great way to create this sort of accountability as well as exposing folks to totally new perspectives, totally new ideas, because they're now interacting with people from very different industries, very different roles than whatever they're most familiar with. And so when I think about, you know, what is so rewarding about this work, it's just incredibly cool and humbling even to be able to work with all these different types of professionals. So on one hand, I might be working with somebody who is in their early 20s, fresh out of undergrad, and they're really frustrated because their first two jobs have just felt really draining and they don't have a good manager and they're worried they'll be stuck here forever. Um, And on the other hand, I might have somebody who's a C-suite executive who has accomplished a lot of what they wanted to do in their career, and yet now they want to give back. They want to figure out how do I create some social impact now that I've created comfort for my family and whatnot. And so those are always um, different challenges, but they're really fun and exciting. And when you're able to put that CEO alongside your entry-level 
20 something year old and have them actually support one another and provide really different ideas and perspectives. Um, that's where the magic happens in our programs. And it's the stories like that, that really make a lot of this work so exciting and so worthwhile. Well, I guess something I'm curious about in terms of the work that you do, just to like kind of clarify, do you feel as though like sometimes you're kind of serving as sort of like you're weaving in or kind of this nexus for just like all the different kind of, uh, you know, sort of tying in the like higher ed uh, part of my brain here for the, of like, you know, there's so many great like boot camps out there, or online courses, short courses and like different things. Like, cause that's sometimes what people, um, might just need is to help sort of, uh, right. get some clarity on like the options that are out there. Like, do you see that sort of like being part of what you do? Cause I think it, it is yeah, so powerful yeah. when you're speaking about with, like the mentoring and stuff, but like even just like helping to be that sort of like uh, shepherd, you know, through uh, all these different like educational offerings that are out there. Nowadays. Right. Right. So our, our stance on this is that if you know what you want from your career, chances are there's a great skill provider that can help you get there. So if you've decided, even though you're in your mid-30s, if you've decided that you want to go into coding, there are quite a few great providers that can train you to be an effective coder and help you land that specific job. Um, so if you're in that camp where you know what you want, there are indeed a lot of great sort of adult learning, lifelong learning resources out there for you. However, we're focused on what I would argue is a much larger percentage of people who say, I know that I don't like what I'm currently doing, but I don't know what I want next. <laughs> it's really mm. unclear to me what my next move should be. And I'm not going to go invest in some training for a career path that I'm not sold on. I'm not convinced it's right for me. And that's really where we focus. We want to help people better understand who they are, what they care about, what sort of professional goals they have for themselves and whoever else they're responsible for, and then help them identify what are the options that might actually be a good fit for you given your experience and your skill set. And now that you've identified some options, how do you remove some of the risk of making a big career shift by testing out these possibilities before committing to one? before you start sending in applications, before you decide to enroll in some expensive program. Um, we're really focused on that first piece of the process. And from our experience, there really aren't many other resources that are focused there. There are a handful of self-help books. There are career coaches. Um, but there's not a whole lot else out there. Yeah. And I'm sure that resonates with a great many people. I'm just sort of like, I don't know what I want to do with myself kind That's of thing. Great. And yeah. just, yeah, being able to like give a really um, kind of thoughtful and intentional experience around that exploration stage. Because yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, because that, that's the unfortunate thing is that people do, you know, make these commitments or investments and in things. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't even use, like, you know, I think especially the common refrain of like, oh, I don't even use my undergrad degree or like, right. you know, you do these sort of things and little detours, but um, yeah, making sure that you can take some time to be really um, purposeful in what you, uh, you know, choose right. to invest your time. And, I mean, the other thing that's worth saying is perhaps your college experience really did set you up well for the first chapter of your career, but then things change. Maybe the economy has shifted, your industry has changed, your interests have changed, your responsibilities are different. And now that degree that got you this far is no longer going to propel you into the next chapter. So we, we definitely work with a lot of folks like that who are in their late 30s, early 40s. And you know they've had a successful career with the training that they initially set out with, 
but now they're ready to make some sort of pivot. Maybe it's that they were in the nonprofit sector, but now they're getting ready to send kids to college and they want to make some more money to be able to do that. Um, Mm. Perhaps with somebody who worked in finance, but now they're feeling burned out and unfulfilled because this finance work doesn't seem to create a lot of social good in their opinion. Um, We see a lot of that sort of transition happening for people. Yeah. Well, and you hit on exactly where I want to go next is just sort of like, how do you see the work that you're doing changing with everything going on? Do you feel like, you know, this has become even that much more relevant for a lot of people as they're maybe kind of reevaluating, you know, where they're at, what they want to do, and just sort of like the career resiliency um, and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, yeah, any any thoughts on that of just sort of like the work that you're doing really kind of, a, I guess it's, it's kind of like both micro and macro because it's affecting right. the whole world, but it's just like, you know, the work that you're doing individually with people. But like, um, so yeah, just the, the thoughts on sort of the current moment and how, how it's shaping your work. Yeah. So, you know, part of what's interesting about our focus, which is specifically more on the sort of soul searching, what do I really want? How do I explore what's out there? Uh, To be candid, it's kind of a luxury to be able to do that, right? If you're currently Mm -hmm. unemployed or financially insecure, and you'd like to just have a paying job, you don't necessarily have the time it takes to go and do this thoughtful self-reflection and experimentation Um, And so we're seeing that with the economy being where it's at and people losing jobs or being furloughed or just feeling financially insecure, that, you know, our offering is not quite as much of a immediate pain relief as what somebody who really just needs a job is looking for. And so one of the biggest things that we're now focusing on is how do we take some of the best practices from our sort of longer format career design program and instead repackage it into a much shorter sort of job search accelerator program. And so this is kind of an exciting new experience that we're building right now. We're also playing with our sort of business model to make it way more accessible to folks that are particularly unemployed at the moment. And so that's one of the more tangible things we're doing today to try to know, adapt what we're doing to meet people where they're at. The other thing I'd say is just that, you know, we are able to kind of curate uh, resources and advice around how to navigate your career in the COVID world that we're now living through. And so a lot of people have found comfort and solace going through our programs, knowing that they're um, getting some uh, coaching around like, here's how to reframe your expectations and my mindset. Here's how to be an effective networker during this time. Um, you know, tap into this community that you've got through this program to really uh, lean on one another in a time of need. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of those two things. It's like, how do we serve the folks that are hurting the most who've lost their jobs or are financially insecure? And then also, how do we adapt the programs we have for the folks who do have the luxury of kind of taking a step back and thinking big picture about where they'd like to go? How do we make it more relevant for them too? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting stuff because, uh, yeah, like the way that you explain it, it's like, yep, those are two very different things of like, right. um, you know, more immediate help versus like, because I'm sure, yeah, I mean, that's what I thought is like on some level, like, yeah, if you're in a secure place, you might have, with everything going on, it might be inspiring you to be like, well, you know what? I've always actually wanted to be, you know, a social worker yeah. or, you know, start my own company to do X, Y, or Z. Like it's, you know, this sort of tumultuous, uncertain, chaotic time that I think for, sometimes it's like, 
wow, this is making me, you know, reevaluate everything that I thought. Cause I thought, you know, yeah, I'm just going to be trudging along on this sort of, you know, riding along the rails career path or something. Yep. Um, but even just like the disruption of like, well, now I'm just like sitting at home, you know, right. you know, marinating in my thoughts or whatever all the time. So like, you know, now, now maybe is the time to start at least like thinking about and planning for, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, what would be next. So, yeah. Although I will say that the the messaging that we used to use, which was, you know, be proactive, make a plan, think ahead. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people are weary of that sort of language, because if there's anything that 2020 has taught us, it's that all good plans can go out the window. Things change really fast. You have to be adaptable. Um, and so it's just been interesting for us to kind of witness in real time how uh, people seem to be making more last minute decisions on signing up for our program or, you know, deciding whether they even have the bandwidth to take on an extra something, even if they know it's probably good for them in the long run. Uh, so that's been a, just a new challenge that I think we and probably a lot of other organizations are facing when they're offering uh, programs that require people's time and commitment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, well, I guess then to, to clarify, cause I guess that's how you're kind of maybe trying to, uh, help people like, and I'm like trying to choose my words carefully because like the way, like your perspective, I'm like, want to be very like considerative, like the distinguishers, but that idea of like, okay, yeah, I'm not trying to like existentially think about, you know, where do I want to be in 30 years? It's more so just like maybe those skills of like, it's like networking, you know, digitally and like utilizing these platforms and sort of like those sort of things. Like, is that where you see maybe it's, it is more helpful to like, you know, have people sit down for a workshop to like discuss and go over to those things because they're, they allow someone to be more adaptable and they can be used in sort of any context uh, to, to help people with their careers. Yeah. I mean, it's even more basic than that. It's basically like we're asking folks, Hey, are you feeling kind of unfulfilled or wondering what comes next for your career? You should sign up and do this program with us. Now it's going to be about five hours a week of a commitment on your end. And that pitch used to resonate really well because, you know, five hours a week is pretty doable. I can, you know, work my day job and fit that in. But I think Mm -hmm. what we're seeing now is that ask of five hours a week is feeling kind of daunting. A lot of people are like, well, and I might have to be taking care of my kids more this fall. I uh, don't know what's going on at work. I I just don't want to take on an extra commitment right now. I'll do this program maybe later. Um, so I think it's, it's just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people are in a holding pattern right now and, right. uh, we're seeing that with our programs, even though it feels like they're more relevant now than they've ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, so then we'll kind of be, you know, winding down some of the, uh, more fun questions. I'll just be curious to see, uh, how you take them, but, you know, always excited to hear what people are geeking out about right now. What's grabbing your attention, whether it is sort of, you know, personal hobbies or stuff related to the work that you're doing. Um, yeah, just what's uh, what's grabbing your attention right now. Yeah. So probably one of the things that has been really cool for, for me personally is we actually have been growing significantly as an organization. And we had to build a hiring process a few months back because we needed to bring on board another seven or so program facilitators to help us run our programs. And, you know, given the state of everybody kind of reevaluating um, structures of power and systemic racism in the country, we, we were trying to think about, okay, well, how do we as an employer, as an organization, 
create both a culture and a set of policies that are you know more in tune with equity and diversity uh, goals like there are plenty of organizations out there that are now realizing oh no we've done a really bad job at building an equitable diverse environment and i'm at the front end of that where it's like wow we can build from scratch a more diverse and equitable organization so how do we do that and so it's been a really rewarding journey to try to reimagine the hiring process and figure out how we can build a much more equitable organization. And I'm really pleased to say that our first sort of prototype of reimagining the hiring process was a huge success. We ended up getting a tremendously diverse pool of candidates. We came up with some really novel ways of assessing those candidates that people that we uh talked with like our candidates told us this was one of the best hiring experiences I've ever gone through. Um, Mm. And we ultimately ended up hiring a a really phenomenal cohort of facilitators for our programs um, who ended up being, you know, as diverse as the people that we serve are. And so that's been a really cool uh, sort of learning opportunity. And it's something that I'm excited to continue refining and making better. And um, it's just really neat to kind of be on the front end of building an organizational culture and uh, creating these sort of new policies. Um, so I'm happy to go into detail on any of that, but that's that's probably the thing I've been most excited about. Um, and I've actually got uh, a friend who kind of works in this sort of future of work space who is trying to figure out how to take a lot of what we did for our uh, hiring process and turn it into a sort of product or service that he can help other organizations uh, take on this sort of newer, more equitable approach to hiring. Um, so it, it's been very neat to be able to prototype something personally, but then also think about how do you grow this and scale this and make it accessible to other organizations. Um, so yeah, I'll pause there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting because I mean, like, I'm sure it's one of those instances where, you know, many people have like conducted hiring processes and hired great people and it's all fine. But then like where you have this opportunity to be like, okay, well, we have to hire now. So we have to create from scratch, you know, and obviously, you know, be inspired by processes that you've either gone through yourself or conducted and those sort of things. But, you know, it being almost like a, you know, if you're on the other side of it, going through the, the first time after creating it for your own organization, just being like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and, and how like that other person's like, well, I think we could like help other people with this. Right, like there's right. potential here because like sometimes hiring a process like takes you long or you're not actually like, you know, uh, asking the right questions to get the kind of answers and insights that you would need to, you know, hire the right people mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, those sort of things. So I guess, you know, yeah. I mean, just speak more to that of like, do you feel like there was, it was more just sort of like, uh, how you thought about doing it and how you conducted it? Or like, did you like have to fundamentally kind of like reshape the whole process? Like just anything kind of signature you want to sort of like indicate of just yeah, like the yeah. way that you went about it or even just like the nuts and bolts of each step. Uh, yeah. Well, so there, there were really three parts to our process. Part number one was an, an application that had no requirements. So we wrote up a very thorough description of what this role was going to entail and it included, you know, here are the sort of traits that we're looking for that we believe will make you successful. Here's what the day in the life feels like. Um, and we put that out into the world and people actually had to fill out a form in order to apply. 
And so we weren't really so much interested in your resume or reading cover letters. We were interested in how do you answer these three key questions that we have in our form? And so we put that form out into the world and uh, we got a whole bunch of applications coming in. And from there, uh, there were three of us on the hiring team. The three of us each independently scored every single one of the applicants that we got. And then we came together as a team and we looked at the top 50 or so applicants that collectively scored highest. And so that was the first um, the first instance of us trying to remove some of our personal biases. So rather than the three of us all talking about one candidate at the same time and often ending up with groupthink, we, we all had to individually evaluate people on the exact same scale. And then we came together and talked about the more subjective components. Um, so that was phase one. Uh, phase two, anybody that we decided was uh, interesting enough that we wanted to learn more, we invited them to complete a case study assignment. So we basically had an actual assignment that somebody would have to do in this position if they were hired. Um, And we, it only took about 45 minutes to do, but we invited about 50 of our candidates to create this, uh, to work on this case study. And they then had to submit the case study to us. And we went through a second iteration of all three of us on the hiring team, evaluating that work product separately and then coming together to discuss. And that piece was designed to give us insight into how somebody actually works rather than just how they talk about how they previously worked. (laughs) And then the third and final phase was interviews. So if you had a strong initial application and you also produced a strong work product, then we would talk to you. And I got to tell you, the insights that we got from this experiment were just so interesting. So first and foremost, oftentimes the people who looked best in the application performed worst on the actual case study, which was totally counterintuitive to what we expected. And then beyond that, some of the people who produced the best work product interviewed poorest. So they were actually the worst when we put them on the spot. And so by having this sort of like three layered approach to evaluating somebody, you know, you get to read about their past experience, you get to see a current example of their work as it relates to the job. And then finally, you get to talk to them. Um, That gave us just a much more holistic idea of the candidates, while also eliminating a bunch of the pitfalls that might have individually counted somebody out for the wrong reasons. Um, So it was just a really, really unique approach um, from our perspective. And we ended up just hiring folks that, you know, had we only done an interview, we probably wouldn't have hired them. But now that we actually saw their work product, um, they were fantastic. And, and so far, this experiment's been going exceptionally well. All seven people we brought on board have just been absolutely uh, killing it. They're doing great. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, just the idea too, yeah, that you saw, like, if somebody did really well at every single stage, like that was sort of noteworthy that was like exceptional sure, yeah. because just like mm-hmm. objectively so right. <laughs> um versus yeah like because i think that's probably like you know yeah like what you're saying is like how most people would go about a search is it's kind of haphazard people start kind of like coalescing around a few people and it might just be like oh well, maybe like i know a little bit about this person or they're just like me so obviously i'm like well that's so great like they right. went to like i don't know the same school i went to or something right. i don't know like yeah and just these like sometimes arbitrary things you know 
Um, so yeah, I think it just seems to me like just the fundamental value is like, yeah, trying to take bias out. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things, I guess, like the fundamental values, um, like taking out the bias and then also just, yeah, just seeing like, how would they do in the actual work that this job entails versus like, exactly. said, like talking and, about and, their past. And part of what was so cool is we had a bunch of candidates, including folks that we ultimately rejected, reach out and tell us this was the best hiring experience I've been through. It was actually really insightful to do this sort of case study project because it helped me understand what this role is actually about. And I also appreciated, you know, that you guys gave me feedback on each step of the process. That was something we wanted to make sure we did. We wanted to be able to give people at least some level of feedback as to why their application didn't move forward. Um, And we did the whole thing on a pretty tight timeline. So from the uh, candidate perspective, it was also a really great process because your time wasn't being wasted. You got real feedback. You weren't waiting for weeks and weeks to hear a decision. Um, And that was important to us because we, we, if we were going to put something out into the world, we wanted it to be good. And even in a weird hiring dynamic, we still wanted to be delivering value to the folks that were spending time to talk to us. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's how it should be. I mean, like, because the way that you talk about it, like, it sounds like it works well for both the employer and the candidate. Like, it, it just is a good experience for everybody versus it being like, like too much. I mean, I guess it would more often than not be like a good process for the employer. We're right. like, well, I mean, we're really taking our time. We're like, we're, you know, putting this person like through five rounds of interviews right. and all that. Like, we, we feel good about like whatever, but it's like, even then sometimes like they would do all that and get a candidate where it's like, actually they didn't end up doing a good job. Like what, you know, which yeah. is like just awful. Or it's like, well, you wasted your time and all these candidates talk about it. But, um, so I guess with all of that, I mean, is there anything that maybe like helped inspire that or anything else, um, that you're working on? Like any other resources, stuff that you're reading, watching, listening to that you'd want to uh, recommend that we can put down in the show notes? Oh boy. Uh, reading, watching, listening to. So let's see. I mean, from the perspective of being uh, kind of an entrepreneur and being somebody who runs a small business, I I love how I built this podcast. Um, it's just really cool to hear other people's stories about how they went about starting a business. Um, oftentimes, these businesses are totally unlike what we do, <laughs> um, mm. but it's still cool to pull lessons from from their learnings and whatnot. So that's one thing that I always find good um, and useful. Uh, as far as reading materials go, I am rereading a book called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari that is kind of like a uh, super, super condensed history of the human species. And it is just an absolutely fascinating overview of humanity and how we got to where we're at and what makes us different from other animals and you know the structures and myths that we've created to build a society. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's probably my top most recommended book for anybody. Um, so do with that what you will. And then I'd say a second book that I think has been pretty influential recently is called Winners Take All by Anand Giratoradis. And that's really about how capitalism, especially American capitalism, um, has done a really poor job of fundamentally reevaluating how we, quote unquote, do good. Um, There's lots of people with money and power who like to put on the appearance of doing good by donating or setting up nonprofits and whatnot, Uh, but it's a lot harder to get those people with power to 
change their business practices to do less harm as opposed to just trying to do some good on the side. And so that book has also been super insightful and it's gotten me to be a little bit more critical about this entire sort of social impact uh, landscape and, and how that gets set up. Yeah, very good point. Um, Cause I also mean, it could be like both, like you should do the, le- like do the least harm that you can like to the planet or and anything like that. And also try to do the most good that you can. But uh, like often it's like, yeah, sure. oh, yes, I mean, we, we donate a certain amount to charity. Right, so right. like, it's like, we're fine. Meanwhile, we're, like, we're plundering the earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. but we're also giving back here and there. So you should love us. Yep. Um, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. really what the book is fundamentally calling out. Interesting. Cool. Well, then uh, we will wrap up here as we always do with the sort of optimistic question, which I feel like is uh, that much more important right now to um, really emphasize is just like, I know for me, always wanting something to look forward to, trying to look on the bright side and, you know, keep on striving uh, forward. So uh, anything or things that you were looking forward to in your job, life and or the world? I'm probably most looking forward to getting out into nature. So I'm in the process of trying to plan a socially distanced and responsible uh, RV camp trip with my wife mm-hmm. and my parents. And so we're trying to figure out which national parks might we go to and timing and all of that. But uh, I really enjoy getting out in nature, especially since the pandemic became a reality. It's been a really great escape. I, I find myself appreciating public parks and whatnot way more than I used to. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm most looking forward to uh, checking out some new national parks that I've not been to and uh, kind of reconnecting with nature. Yeah. All parks are a major asset. Right? Especially yeah. now. Um, <laughs> it's about time so. we appreciate them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, um, yeah, just like, at least for people, cause I feel like now, like so many people are kind of like fatigued with like, you've been adhering to these standards and like right. doing the right thing and all that. So it's like, my hope is that people, yeah, are like responsibly starting to like, well, maybe I should go see my parents because like it, it maybe it's already been several months and it right. might be several more months until we can just do it, quote unquote, as normal. So like my hope is that, you know, we can uh, all responsibly, you know, take our masks with us to, uh, you know, just go go sit out in the park even, you know, yeah. just like get that little uh, social engagement and stuff. And um, I know I'm sort of in that phase right now. So um, I'm glad that you are. Uh, getting a little bit of that uh, as well and doing our um, best indeed yeah yeah um great well i appreciate you uh, taking the time out for the podcast and sharing all that you did and we'll have uh, ways to connect with you and uh the work that you're doing and all that you mentioned uh down in the show notes as usual but yeah just thanks again so much this is uh, really great stuff of course my pleasure dustin thanks so much for having me thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast make sure to rate review and subscribe so you never miss an episode thanks again for listening And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.